is, what is that A next to uh, the two? And why do the heathens, uh, or why do the nations rage? Two A just means in the psalm book, the psalter book that we took it out of. It was the the first psalter song for that psalm. So we used I don't know two or three different psalter books, and uh, and so we just took them from different places, and so we've included that in there for that reason. No other significance. All right, Psalm 120 is the beginning of a 15-psalm section called the Psalms of Ascent. Some older writers uh, from the 17 and 1800s also call these the Psalms of De- or Songs of Degree, uh, or sometimes even they call them the Pilgrim Psalms, and they were chanted or sung as the Lord's people ascended up to Jerusalem, to the temple, to give worship. There are three times a year, three feasts of the year, where uh, pilgrims were to come to Jerusalem to give God praise. And so they would sing these psalms on their way, ascending up to Jerusalem. I'll explain a little more what that, what that means. If you just notice, though, Psalm 120, all the way through Psalm 134. If you just flip through your Bible, go ahead and do that. But as you flip through, you notice all of these are very short psalms. Uh, they're not very long. They're, they're placed here at the beginning of this section to garnish our attention. They happen to precede Psalm 119, which is the great psalm on the Word of God. Uh, but these are ascending psalms. There's debate about what exactly that means. Um, I'm going to tell you what I think it means. I don't think it's meant to be overly complex. Um, But the Psalms ascend to worship. I think there's a geographic component to that. If you were uh, from a region outside of Jerusalem, whether that be the the western section of Israel, the lowlands near the sea, uh, the Mediterranean Sea. If you were from the, uh, the, the highlands up south of Jerusalem, you would still ascend. If you were down uh, along the Jordan River, the Jordan Rift Valley, you would, you would ascend more than anyone else. If you came from Galilee up through Samaria, you would ascend up to Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is just in elevation higher than anything else around. And so, in just a physical sense, you are literally ascending as you go to Jerusalem to give worship. Or if you're just going for business, it's interesting, in First Chronicles 13, David brings the ark up to Jerusalem. And you see that phrase often. He, people go up to Jerusalem, or in this case, he brings the ark up to Jerusalem. A little bit later in Psalm, or 2 Samuel 19, verse 34 Barzillai is invited by David to come live at his palace with him. This is after the the betrayal of Absalom and the rebellion that Absalom uh, led. And Barzillai was faithful to David, and so he invites him to come up and to live with him. It says, and Barzillai said unto the king, How long have I to live that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? And so there's just a a geographical uh, sense here of going up. It's also the going up to worship at the temple, as I said. They're, they're pilgrim psalms for a reason. Three times a year they would ascend up to Jerusalem to give God 
praise. In fact, that same phrase of going up is used in connection with worship in Exodus 34, 24. Now think about this. Exodus is written before they're in the promised land, and yet God said, thou shalt go up to appear before the Lord thy God thrice a year. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 27, Jeroboam, in a negative sense, speaks of ascending to Jerusalem. Jeroboam's a wicked king. He builds two places of false worship, one of them being way up in the very north in Dan, builds a, an altar there, in fact. And this is what he said, if these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people, and he means the northern kingdom, his people, this people were turned back to the Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they will kill me and go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. It's a very sad story of a man who literally introduces false worship to the northern tribe just so they won't leave his kingdom. He leads them into false worship. And he says, I have to have an alternative to worshiping God in Jerusalem, otherwise they'll leave me and they'll follow God and they'll follow uh, Rehoboam. And so he, he introduces false worship. So he, he even understands the the gravity of ascending up to Jerusalem to worship God. And so these psalms were sung as people would journey up. And tradition holds they, they did sing them at the feasts. Now what's also interesting is these psalms uh, are not necessarily a, a, attributed in and of themselves to David. They were they were collected during the time of the return from exile of Israel as they came back to rebuild the temple under Ezra. And so some of them are Psalms of David, but not all of them are. They're Psalms that the nation used to call themselves back to rebuild the temple to give God the glory that he deserved. And so I think the second component of ascending is they are songs not just meant to help us ascend geographically to Jerusalem and to the temple to worship, but they are songs that are meant to uh, help us ascend in worship to the Lord. And people have categorized them a couple different ways, and I want to share with you how they have kind of categorized them. And if you're interested, I'm going to read through the first one quickly, probably too fast to write down. If you're interested, I'll, I'll share this with you afterwards. But as you start in Psalm 120, you see it kind of has a negative own, o overtone to it at, <coughs> as the people are in distress. In fact, verse 1 says, In my distress I cried to the Lord, and he heard me, delivered my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. And so they start in a moment of affliction. And so some people would say that Psalm 120 is commemorating affliction. Psalm 121 is looking to God. 122 is joy in communion with God. 123 is an invocation, a prayer to God. 124 is thanksgiving to God. 125 is confidence in God. 126 is patiently waiting for deliverance through God. And as, as you're going to see as I keep going through these, is they're ascending from a, a pit of despair, a valley of despair, to heights of praise and worship to God. Verse one, or Psalm 127 is God's grace and his favor. 128 is fear of the Lord. 
129 is victory over enemies. 130 is the waiting for redemption from God. 131 is humility. 132 is the desire for the coming Christ. 133 is the unity of the, bre- of the brethren. And 134 is the constant blessing of God. And so you could say they're ordered in such a way that they lead people from uh, a, a pilgrimage of, of weeping and distress to the very presence of God. Some people say there were 15 steps leading up to the temple that you would pause on each step and recite one of the Psalms, although there's absolutely no historic evidence that there were 15 steps. It's just kind of like one of those um, urban legend of Jerusalem, I guess. But they are organized, or they seem to be organized in ascending worship. Now here's one I'd like you to mark. If you want to write this one down, let me give you another way that they can be categorized, and I think it's in collective form. If you group them in groups of five, 120 to 124, they all are describing trouble and danger and anguish that Israel is in. 125 to 129 is collectively their psalms of placing confidence in God. They're turning to God for the help because of the distress that they're in. And then 130 to 134 could be direct communication with God in his house. They're very, very worshipful psalms of giving God the glory that he deserves. But there's a theme, and the theme is go up, go up my soul. From 120 to 134, it is this ascending of worship before the Lord, a preparation of the heart. So somebody might ask, why are they so deeply in the Psalms, right? Why wait until 120 before you give this ascending of worship, this, uh, this format to come before the Lord? And I think it's because of when they were assembled, they were assembled for worship under Ezra and Zerubbabel and Joshua and Nehemiah, when the people went up. And so the lines build upon each other from despair and sadness to elevation of excellence in God. And I'd like to read Psalm 130. So if you would turn to Psalm 130. I would like to read through this psalm. We're going to sing it in a moment. Pastor Perry is going to pray this psalm on our behalf. But I want you to notice even in this psalm, this ascending of worship. Verse 1 says, out of the depths, I've cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. And so this cry comes from despair. That's what out of the depths means. This is a person who is caught in dangerous and deep waters. The word depths here means anguish or tribulation or sin or distress or even just a low emotional moment. And so the psalmist cries out to the Lord, knowing the Lord hears. It's also a humble plea to the, to the Lord. In verse 3 and verse 4, If you, Lord, should mark iniquity, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. 
a humble plea, a recognition that they have no right to come before the Lord, that no one can stand before God because of the iniquities of our heart. And so he pleads for God in awe and reverence, or what we would, what we would say is fear. This is the outcome of repentance. This person has gotten their heart right with God. They're agreeing with God. And so then in verse 5, we have kind of the transitionary statement of this of this chapter, I wait for the Lord and my soul waits and in his word I do hope. What a great statement of resolution that is. May that be our hearts, especially in moments of distress or despair, that we would cry out in resolution, Lord, I will wait for you. The word wait here means to bind or twist together in unison. So it's to take like two pieces of rope and bind them together into one piece, stronger, unified. And so this patience, this trust, results in an expectation to God work, a confidence in the Lord. In fact, it's in his word, which is the Lord. And then verse 6, he gives an exhortation to trust the Lord. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption. And so there's this joyful expectation. This idea of waiting for the morning is like a a watchman who stands on the wall, and, and, and there's an impending attack that's coming And the darkness reveals it. And that watchman is patiently doing their task of peering into the darkness to care and to to watch for the danger that could come with the hope that morning will soon be there. And they'll see clearly. There's this confident expectation in the Lord to work. And then verse 7, he gives this hope, this confident assurance in the Lord that with the Lord there's mercy And with him, there's abundant redemption. And the psalm moves from a a point of valley of weeping to a pinnacle of trust in God. Verse 8, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquity. What great confidence in the Lord who alone provides redemption. And so these psalms of ascent, they're like, a boost to a weary heart. A heart that starts in a moment of dis- distress or danger and ascends to the heights of, of complete confidence in the one sovereign Lord over all. Wonderful psalms that move our heart to the correct position of unifying with God. Pastor Perry's going to come and he's going to pray this psalm out.